Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, December 15, 2012, and today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 13, going to be reading paragraph 1 and 2 to start out today. Today's readers are reading the 12 Steps, Jody E., 12 Traditions, Diane G., and reading the text for us today, Chelsea H., Nicole S., and Martha Z. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, December 14, 2015, is 8269. 8269. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive eating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jody E. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, Melanie. This is Jody E., a grateful recovered bulimic in California. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive 
eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Jody E. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire, a recovered, not cured, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an over, over, excuse me, an OA group are never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communications. And 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Melanie, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 13, beginning with the first two paragraphs, 1 and 2, to begin our study. And I will ask Chelsea H. to open us up today. Thank you, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, thanks for your service. I'm Chelsea. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. 
Treatment seemed wise, for I showed signs of delirium tremens. There I humbly offered myself to God, as I then understood him, to do with me as he would. I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing, that without him I was lost. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away, root and branch. I have not had a drink since. Okay. So this information here, I can remember when I walked through this part of the process and put the food down. It's the first thing that I had to do. He was separated from his food, and I had to admit complete defeat. And these are the um, first three of the tenants that they had from the Oxford group that he passed on, that Ebby passed on to Bill. So once I could admit complete deflation, which is what it was supposed to be, and in and of myself, I could not handle this disease. I couldn't, I could not manage, and I kept trying to manage. So I put the food down, and then I um, admitted complete deflation, and I. Um, at this point after that, the way our steps are now, was I made, came to the conclusion that I needed power because lack of power was my dilemma. And then I made a decision on the conclusion that I came to that I would move on to the rest of the work, relying on some source greater than myself, even though I had no clue or idea what, what it would be or what it would look like. I made the commitment to go on and take action and to do that moral inventory, which was the other third, original third step, and I had to face my sins and become willing to have a newfound friend. Well, to me, that just means I needed to get honest with myself, and I had to deal with um, searching deeply within myself so that that way I could look at that um, on, on page 67 where it talks about putting out of our minds the wrongs others have done. We resolutely look for our own mistakes. Now I'm starting to look at my own behavior and take responsibility. Little by slowly, I'm starting to gain more integrity and honesty and willing to take action. And that's really what I'm really seeing that as I continue to walk through. This is how I got um, Dee Dee in my life and how I came up with my divine director. When we talked in the uh, big book about the different types of um, the actor and here where they talk about placing our care under the direction, that is how it came to me. It just it grew and it continues to grow. It's not something that's been stagnant. And I often end up going back facing ruthlessly different issues that have come up for me. And I'm willing at that point to sometimes I have to uh, pull out my own worksheets and actually get down to the nitty gritty of it because sometimes it's a little bit more ingrained. But honesty, searching within myself to know the exact natures of my actions in the past so that way I'm no longer lying to myself, separating the true from the false, having a guide to take me through that had already walked through the process to help me, to shine the light so I could see the path that I'm walking so that I could have my own experience. And I'm really grateful today. I'm grateful for this meeting that we study together and we really learn what we're up against and how we can one day at a time live in peace and serenity with each other, the world, and just in ourselves. And I'm grateful for that. One day at a time, I get to live this beautiful program of recovery. And with that, I pass.
Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Chelsea H. Who would like to comment on those first two paragraphs on page 13? Kim G. Martha C. Melissa C. Lynn S. Okay. I have Kim G., Melissa C., Leah M., and Lynn S. Let's go with Martha that one right now. Okay, Paula D. I'll grab, I'll grab you two up also, and then we'll stop right there, please. Paula D., Martha Z. Actually, that's in reverse. I found I heard Martha Z first and then Paula D. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Good morning, Kim G. And then just one second. I should probably say this. Kim G., Melissa C., Leah M., Lynn S., Martha Z., and Paula D. And we'll catch the rest on the next go-around. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I can barely contain my excitement at, at where we're getting to in the work here. At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. There are so many places in this book that it tells us, first, we have to put the food down. First, we have to put the food down. And I just want to talk about where we are at page 13. You know, page 1 through 8 was step 1. It's the description of what it is to be an alcoholic, a compulsive overeater, how the degree disease progresses. Pages 8 to 12 is step 2. It's Bill's resistance to the idea that he needs a power greater than himself in order to recover. And we're going to see now on page 13 and 14, he's going to go through the rest of the steps. Once we come to this decision, we're going to fly through these steps because there's an urgency because of the conclusion that we're powerless. There's an urgency because we know now that we need a power. And there's an urgency because we've made a decision to seek that power. You know, a common question that I, I get is, and I hear in meetings, is how do I work these steps? How do I work these steps? And just to come and look at my experience, you know, AA has a 12 and 12, and OA has a 12 and 12, and it's a lot of important information in both those books. But those 12 and 12 are simply essays about people's experience in having worked the steps. There's actually no instructions in it. And once again, my experience, I thought this big book was just a series of funny stories in the back, and many of my meetings did the stories, and we would skip the, the directions in the first 164 pages. So the question is, how do I work the steps? Let's look at the table of contents on page V. Let's look what the big book is leading us through. The, the doctor's opinion is our medical diagnosis. Do we even need this, this, this program? Do we have the allergy of the body? When we ingest certain substances, can we reasonably predict how much we're going to have? You know, do we have the obsession of the mind that once the food is down, the allergy is not being triggered because our mind always convinces us it's okay to have that first bite? And if we admit we have that diagnosis, then what does that look like in a human being? That's what we're looking at in Bill's, in Bill's story. And then we move to there is a solution, because a big part of knowing who I am is knowing who I'm not, and it's going to talk about the moderate eater and the heavy eater and what it's like to be the true compulsive overeater. And then we come to more about alcoholism, which is the story not about people who are drunk and can't get sober, but people who are sober and make the insane decision to drink again, which is the reason I come to OA. I don't come to OA because of the allergy. I come to OA because I need a spiritual solution to get rid of that mental obsession. That's all step one. Then we have we agnostics, which is step two. Do we need this power? And how it works, it is steps three and four. And into action is steps five through 11. And in working with others is step 12. Same pace, so much concentration on step one, then step two, and then we fly through the steps. Thank God for this program of recovery. And I'm just going to end with this. I heard this recently and loved this. And I, this is to me, myself, 15 years ago. 
We're sorry to hear that you're disappointed with the results you didn't get from the work you didn't do. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Melissa C. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, thank you for your service. Um, you know, so I'm thinking about, you know, my own treatment. And um, although I didn't need to be hospitalized, I need, yeah, I needed to be separated um, from my foods, from my alcohol. And, um, you know, and it, it wasn't like a lovely, um, peaceful separation. It had to be kind of quick. Um, while I was still suffering, you know, while I was in agony, I needed those foods ripped away from me in a way. And um, because without it, I had no ability to even um, see the truth, you know. And so our, our work begins when we're separated um, from our foods completely, you know. And and then I'm thinking about, you know, having, um, you know, giving it over uh, root and branch and how – you know, when when um, Bill saw Eddie and he said his roots were grasping new soil. Well, you know, my roots can't grasp new soil if I'm still clinging to my old stuff. And so, you know, um, my recovery meant that I had to not just give up the food. You know, that seemed so hard in the beginning, but that really was kind of easy in, in retrospect because the other stuff that I needed to give up, was what kept me going back to the food, you know, my self-pity, my ego, my dishonesty. And, um, you know, and I have to say that um, the work continues, you know, if I'm living in, in the rest of the steps, 10, 11, and 12, because I'm human and I'm having a, a human experience. And so my um, occasionally, you know, my branches sometimes uh, touch on things like dishonesty, and, um, you know, and so on a daily basis, not just that one beautiful moment where I hand it over to God, but every day, you know, I need to, to turn it all over to my higher power. And, um, and with that, you know, when I do it, um, yes, the work, but to mention the work, it, it's work. It has to be, um, not just a one shot deal, but daily work. Um, because when I do the work, I, I, to reap the benefits of it, you know, I'm able to live um, in agreement with God and not with Melissa running the show. Thank you, and I'll be back. Thank you, Melissa C. Leah M. Thanks so much, Melanie. At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Uh, I too wanted to touch on that. I think it's a message that's been neglected, you know, in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, um, from my perspective anyway. And, um, you know, the big book makes it clear, and certainly that is true from my experience, that I had to refrain from compulsive overeating. I had to be separated from my binge foods. I had to be in a state of food sobriety. I had to be as sober with my food as an alcoholic is with alcohol. There could be no compromises. That was made very clear to me. No middle ground. Otherwise, it was going to trigger a phenomenon of craving, and, of course, then I would be condemned to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. So there had to be a separation for me. 
And, of course, you know, um, it is more complicated for those of us that are compulsive overeaters. You know, when an alcoholic crawls his way into an AA room, it's clearer and and quite easy to identify the substance which he or she is allergic to, and that's alcohol. For compulsive overeaters, it is more complicated. But the point is that no one attends AA thinking that he or she is going to continue drinking while working the steps. You stop drinking, and then you work the steps. What about us in in OA? Has that been OA's message? Uh, That certainly wasn't made clear to me from uh, 1982 to 1987. Um, there was some kind of thought that we would go through the steps and then become abstinent as a result of the step work. Um, no, the big book makes it very clear, starting with the doctor's opinion, which is not just some you know nice introductory note. The rest of the book wouldn't make sense without the doctor's opinion. We have to stop our craving, and the only way to stop the craving is to stop eating the foods that cause our craving. So how do we go about that? Again, it's easier for an alcoholic to identify the substance that causes his allergy, for the alcoholic, it's alcohol in any form. We can all differ in the kinds of substances that cause cravings for us, but nonetheless, it has to be identified. So I had to start with abstaining from my individual binge foods, abstaining from my individual binge ingredients. Uh, a sponsor, a guide was helpful in identifying what those are, I, abstaining from individual binge eating behaviors, being honest in this process, being careful with this process, developing a plan of eating, which foods do I run to first for comfort? That had to be identified. Which foods did I always try to control? That had to be identified. Which foods did I constantly try to negotiate? That had to be identified. That was all part of the separation process so that I could be available to have a new relationship, not with food, to have a new relationship with what? With power. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah M. Lynn S. Good morning. This is Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada. It's funny how, you know, we read this over and over again, and then some parts really have an impact. And this part of the sentence, that without him I was lost, has really, really resonated with me. And initially it was the thought... um, you know, that was the difference. That was the difference between all the other diets, all the other today's the first day of the rest of my life, all the other Monday mornings, all the other visits to the fat farms, all that other stuff. This, for me, was the difference. Without him, I was lost. And I love that word, lost. You know, there no more self-reliance, no more anything like that, but lost. I wasn't weak, I wasn't undecided, I wasn't anything, I was lost. It just reminds me of the, you know, and we talked about before, um, the feudal life in a desert and oasis, and it just reminded me of that um, story we're familiar with where, you know, people wandered in the desert for years and that bleakness, and just, it, it just struck me so hard, and it strikes me that it's true every day of my life, Without him, I am lost. So you have this an amazing uh, spiritual experience or spiritual awakening. And then it's something that day after day after day, without him, I am lost. I am so grateful that that really touched my heart. 
And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn S. Martha Z. Good morning, Melanie. This is Martha Z. Can you hear me? Good morning. Yes, I can. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Um, this is Martha Z. I am a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. Um, and good morning, friends in recovery. I wanted to start with that first paragraph. Uh, let's see. Where it says, at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise. And yesterday when we were reading that, I was thinking that I have in my margin 12, 11, 34, third time. So this was the last time that Bill was in Towns Hospital. And I thought yesterday, it was it was December 14th, and I thought, that's interesting. It's just about the same date. Anyway, um, for me, I... I needed to be stopped. I did, um, actually today, it's 26 years and 10 months that I went to the hospital to be separated, please God, for the last time. And um, I, um, yeah, I, I needed to be separated. I needed to be stopped. And um, it was, it was a, it was a psychiatric hospital. It had, a, you know, treatment for it had food addiction treatment, and um, it said treatment seemed wise. And for myself, like I got to the point where if I had to live like this, I didn't want to be here anymore. I had had a wonderful husband. I had two young children. I had everything to live for, and I didn't want to be here anymore because I couldn't. I didn't want to do what I was doing with food if I had to. Could, I didn't want to live anymore. So. Um, and then I love this. This is such a beautiful thing. The second paragraph. It just, it just has him, Bill, going through steps um, one through seven. There I humbly offered myself to God. Steps one, two, and three. As I then understood him to do with me as he would, I placed myself under reservedly under his care and direction. Then it said I ruthlessly faced my sins. Steps four and five, and became willing to have my new friend friend take them away. Friend capitalized his higher power, his God, root and branch. I have in parentheses entirely. I've not had a drink since. So there's the the um, step six and seven, and I just it's the most beautiful thing. And 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 think about how quickly he did that. So um, anyway, I thank you. That's all I have to say. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Martha Z. Paula D. Good morning. This would be Paula D. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Londonderry, New Hampshire, by and with the grace of God. And here again, uh, I am as I'm looking at this and reading it and hearing what is being said. You know, we see here hope. We see here hope because here we see a new world came into view. Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. All of this happening. All of this going on. And then... This part, and this is where I had such hope. I didn't come in here not eating. I came in here eating. But I heard, and I kept coming back. This part is just to me how blind I had been. And then we see something coming together. And then at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. 
treatment seemed wise, but I showed signs of delirium tremens. We know when we finally come away the damage that has been done, but look at here. Look at here, hope again. More than. Now an action taking place. He humbly offers himself to God. As I then understood him, that changes. That changes. But that's not what we're concerned about. Right then and there. But I want to continue on as he said. I admitted. There it is. For the first time. For the first time? Yeah. With clarity. Without the drink. Without the drug. For the first time that of myself, I was nothing. Now, sounds like, woo, nothing, but watch. That without him, I was lost. Be with the child. Child doesn't understand how you think or who you are. I don't understand how God thinks or who he is. Not totally. But when a child is lost, then all of a sudden they look around and they meet you. And they see you eye to eye. Something happens. There's a connection. Oh, yeah. Now I'm safe. Then, then, I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend. See, he didn't do it alone. And may I share here what a friend is. What is a friend? One attached to another by affection? Didn't seem to be any fear there. That's why he continued with the steps. Something else happened. Take them away, root and branch. Total trust. I have not had a drink since. You talk about an ending that was nothing but a beginning of a life of giving. And I, one of the receivers, thank you for allowing me that time to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Vasa O. Hi, Vasa. Anyone else? AJM. AJM. And anyone Santa else? H. Hi, Santa. Anyone else? Okay, Anita we have Hi, Anita. Okay, I got you real quick there before we closed up there. Okay, great. I have Vasa O, AJM, Santa H, and Anita J. Thank you. Vasa O? Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. And I'm Vasa Grit, recovered compulsive reader calling from Florida. Yeah, the, um, at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol. I, of course, I was not hospitalized like Bill was, but I remember coming, uh, crawling through the doors of Overeaters Anonymous with the pain and the suffering that I tried to put down for the food for many, many, many years. And I had done step one, you know, because I remember feeling hopeless and powerless over the food. But I didn't think there was anything wrong. Like the second step talks about the insanity. I didn't think that I was insane. I just wanted to put the food down. I thought that was the problem. And I thank God that I stayed again. You know, that's where my thinking was. But again, I remember, you know, I did come. I was 12 steps for about a week, you know. So my sponsor told me about the... um, um, the doctor's opinion. I didn't read it, but I heard it. 
and I was shocked to hear that the allergy and uh, with the mental obsession, I was really shocked to hear about it. And my separation started putting the food down when I admitted I was powerless over the food. And at my first meeting, October 25, 1986, that was the last day and was the beginning of my new life in, 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 uh, in uh, my higher power, which I call God today. And I, you know, again, it's so easy when we talk about the alcohol, we just put it down, you know, with the food. We, I mean, I had to deal with all kinds of foods, but I needed to know the foods that I had allergy towards, you know. And that, that was the hardest thing I had ever been in my whole life, to put the sugary things for me down, you know. And uh, the rest of it became easier, you know, as I was working the steps. But, of course, yes, it wasn't easy going through the fears, the uh, resentments, all that. But I knew at first I had to put the food down to work the rest of the steps. So I had done the three steps, you know, that night at the, you know, at the same time. It was October 26, 25, 1986, exactly. It was 10 o'clock after my first meeting, and my sponsor just suggested she told me what to do. And that's what I did. You know, I ran in the bathroom. I surrendered. You know, I didn't know enough about the steps, but I knew enough. I was powerless over the food, and I needed to stop. And that's when I surrendered. I said, God, again, I, on my knees, you know, everybody can surrender different ways, but that's my experience, you know. That's the best action I had taken in my whole life, just to surrender and to admit, to admit I was powerless. And please, God, forgive me for all the sins I committed in my whole lifetime, you know. And I had that spiritual experience. I hadn't gone through the steps yet, you know. But that's what kept me coming, you know. I experienced this power go through me. And that was the beginning. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. AJM? This is AJM in North Carolina. I have an eating disorder. I am gratefully in recovery. Uh, a couple of words jumped out at me here. I know what delirium tremens means. I know that that's what comes in last stages of alcoholism when someone is taken away from the drink. Um, and I looked up the word delirium just for the fun of it, an acutely disturbed state of mind uh, that occurs in fever, intoxication, and other disorders and is characterized by restlessness, illusions, and incoherence of thought and speech. Because it had occurred to me, well, I haven't gone through delirium tremens when I've come off of food, but I certainly have experienced the restlessness, illusions, and incoherence that for me comes from having my um, my fix taken away from me. So that jumped out at me as we were reading today. And then it occurred to me that yesterday, or last week I guess it was, the word antipathy, um, he, he said the word God still aroused a certain antipathy, and that's another one that I looked up. 
and it says a deep-seated feeling of dislike, aversion. So here we go from antipathy, two or three paragraphs above, to him now turning to the God of his understanding. That's a really quick turnaround, and it emphasizes for me the um, swiftness with which Abby's experience um, had an had an effect on on Bill, and um, you go from antipathy to trust. That's quite quite amazing. Um, I'm glad to be back with you. I've had a cold and I've had to stay quiet for a few days. And thank you for your service. And with that, I pass. Thank you, AJM. Santa H. Hi, can I be heard, Melanie? You can, thank you. Okay, great. Hi, my name is Fonte H., a grateful recovered compulsive overeater for today, calling in from New Jersey. And I, I want to share what really popped out at me, and this is a wonderful nugget of wisdom here, and just passing it on maybe to someone it might be helpful to. Um, I, I was looking here, you know, we, you're talking here, he's talking about going through the steps, and he's doing steps four, five, six, and seven here in this paragraph. And the question that crossed my mind was, well, where is the sponsor? Where's the fifth step with the sponsor? And I, I just love how this here shows me once again how an ideal, bona fide ten step is done. And I love here where, um, you know, this is an inside job. This is a this is an inside job. You know, we'll learn next paragraph when Eddie comes visit him and he gives his fifth step away. But here the fifth step is done in three parts. Um, he did what well, he did here, like it says on page um, 72, we admit to, admit it to God and to ourselves. And that's what he's doing here. He's admitting to God and to himself. And then he goes right on and he's doing the steps six and seven, if you know about giving away your character defects, because the sins are his character defects that he's talking about. And this is all before he sees the sponsor. And this is exactly what is reminded to me on page 84, how to do a 10 step is that when these things pop up, we ask our higher power to remove them. I don't go to my sponsor. I go to my higher power because, I, you know, as she said here, I have a newfound friend, and the F is capitalized. So that means that stands for greater than, in my opinion, a, a God force for me. And so that's where I go. And then after that, I go and um, uh, discuss it immediately with someone else. And I just love how that was just outlined here where, he showed me, once again, the process here is we go to our higher power, God, God force, whatever you want to call it, first, and then we go to another human being, and that's what he did. And also, I just want to mention here what I have in my notes my sponsor gave me when I was going through the steps. She said step four and five is we get right with ourselves. That's what he's doing. And then in six, step six and seven, we get right with God, and that's what he's doing here in this process. I just wanted to pass that on. With that, I pass. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. Thank you, Santa H. Anita J., and then we'll move on. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie, and thank you all who have shared on this paragraph. My name is Anita J., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. And what jumped out at me this time was, the, the lack of ego. Now, let me tell you that I was separated 
God willing, for the last time. February 3rd was my last binge in 2014. That doesn't seem very long ago, does it? Because I've been in the room since 1978, separated many times, many times. But this time, it's in a different level. It's a totally different level. It is, I am not, I am taking no credit. It's just, um all all non ego driven it's humility driven it's um actually awe and wonder those are words for this time of season, but it's the truth that there is something greater than myself that wants it this wants all of me and um that that has that has been the difference this time. I am just kind of along for the ride, doing a lot of work. I'm not just sitting there. My higher power has given me a lot of directions on things to do to be of service. And um, if I continue to do this, and why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? I? I am just as good as anyone else. I deserve to be happy, like all of you on the lines. And I have something to offer to others, just like everyone else does. And for the first time, I humbly, there's an old hymn that starts out, just as I am, I come. And you know what? This, this paragraph gives that whole new meaning, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. And now we'll move on uh, with our study to the third paragraph on page 13. Nicole S., will you begin that part of our study? Hi, my name's Nicole S. I'm a recovered compulsive reader. My schoolmate visited me and I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. We made a list of people I had hurt or toward whom I felt resentment. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals admitting my wrong. Never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. And this is just such a, a, a great story, and just um, I, it really shows shows me how how Bill just he just got right down to business. He didn't waste any time, and where it starts out that he um, fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. And I remember the very first time I worked the steps. Um, I I thought well I'll write I'll write a list of I'll do a fourth step but I'm not going to do a fifth step, and I remember sharing that with um, the person who had first introduced me to OA, and he mentioned you know half of eight half measures avail us nothing and um, and it it just showed me that you know it it is so important to share with somebody um, you know that 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 fifth step and that. And then, you know, something I was so afraid to do and I thought, um, you know, I'm going to get this this out and this person is never going to be able to look at me or talk to me ever again. But it was quite the opposite and a very freeing experience, um, so much more than I had ever thought it would be. And the last part also I just want to comment on, um, never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. And... That's that's another um, such a key thing for me is I can't be critical of the other person. It's only my side of the street. It's only <clears throat> my doing, and it's 
doing everything I can, the utmost, utmost of my ability. And if I've done everything I can and um, done the utmost of my ability and the person still does not accept an apology, um, then that, that's all I can do. I've, I've done the best I can, and then I can let that go, and I don't have to have to worry about that. But if I've um, done something and uh, you know I, I kind of half-heartedly apologize to someone or half-heartedly try to make it right, um, then I haven't done my the utmost of my ability. So um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nicole. Charles H. This is Larry. Hi, Charles. Hi, Larry. Anyone Hi. else? We have room for probably three. Hi, Sally. Maybe one more. Okay, we'll go with that for right now. Uh, Charles H., Larry K., and Sally A. Good morning, Charles. Good morning, my dear. Thank you for your service. I was just looking at, you know, a couple of pictures uh, down down there in Virginia and just put a smile on my face. So, um, my schoolmate visited me, and I fully acquainted him with my problem and deficiency. We made a list of people I had hurt. Um, this is, you know, this is so good. You know, I get a few calls, and, you know, even with, with the, the men that I deal with in my life, um, you know, my sponsees and my, you know, um, the program of action is not like we just do it and we don't, you know, I got a couple of calls where, you know, people say, you know, I'm sponsoring myself. That's how they did it in the beginning. You know, um, and that may be true to a certain extent, but 2015, December 15, 2015, we have people that want to, that, that need, we need to hear. I, I tell them, I, I, I share everything. As, I want freedom, man. No more resistance. You know, if my spider senses is tingling, it, it usually means I need to get this thing up off me. I need to share my Yeah, I share it with God of my understanding, but I share it with another individual. You know, I hear people say they ain't got time for it. All right, you must got time to binge and die because that's what's going to happen. You know, resentment is the number one killer, right? You know, all that stuff that we talked about. Sansa, thank you for sharing that. You dropped some jewels this morning, baby, baby. So, um... You know, resentments, fears, all those things are the things that's blocking us. I love top of page 64, which says the things within us was blocking us. These things are in us. It's not an outside job. I've got to purge these things that's in me, these fears and these resentments. I've got to tell it to somebody else. This is a program of action. I'm not softening it for nobody because y'all didn't soften it for me. I'm not softening it, softening it for nobody because you guys didn't do it for me. And though it was painful, it was painful. My brain had to be cleared. That catch-up had me clogged up, baby. Now I'm open. So if, if I got a message to somebody, if you're feeling some type of way inside, take it through the columns, the program of action. Don't deny that fifth step because if you do, six, seven, eight, and nine ain't going to work, baby, baby. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles H. Larry K. Good morning, Melanie. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. So in this paragraph, what we have is we have steps five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Steps five, six, seven, eight, and nine right in this paragraph. 
you know, first he, he's, he's starting his, his, you know, his inventory or he's rather, he's starting his step five. He's acquainting Abby with his problems and deficiencies, but I want to connect this back up to, um, you know, to the prior paragraph that we read that uh, he had been separated, you know, from alcohol for the last time. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line, I say this with love and compassion, but also from bitter, bitter experience. Because I was part of the statistics of recidivism, of relapse. I never, you know, I never had, uh, I had never put my food down. I didn't put the heroin down. I was still wrapping that band around my arm and injecting myself in secret. Just a little injection. I just needed to armor up a little bit. I just needed to numb out just a little bit. And if that's all I needed, then maybe then I could work step six, seven, or excuse me, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and I could put one past everyone. I can put one past the program. I always cut corners. See, I've learned, I've learned in this program, there is no cutting corners. There's no cutting corners, and I hated to hear that because I didn't want to pay the price of uncomfortability the withdrawal symptoms that would surely come when I put my heroin down, my binge substance down. I've never done heroin, but that's what I call it because I like to paint that nice picture for myself of just how deadly this disease is. We think the sugar, the flour, the this, the that, you know, whatever we're picking up, we're just, you know, it's legal. We're not hurting anyone. Yeah, we're doing it in secret, but we'll put one over the system here. You know what? I've never met one person, if you're the first, please call me, that's been able to become a recovered person while still injecting themselves with their heroin, even a tiny little bit. If you're the first person, I want to hear from you because maybe I'm not delivering and carrying the right message, but I think the message that I'm carrying based on my experience is consistent and congruent with this, with this book. You put your heroin down, you embark on the steps, maybe for the first time after 30, 40, 50 years knowing about this program, and guess what? You'll have a spiritual experience, a transformation that will eradicate this obsession. That was my experience. That's the message I carry. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Sally A? I'm sorry, Melanie, you called me? I did. Hi, good morning. Okay. Good morning. <laughs> Sorry, I was unmuting. My timing was off. Good morning, Edition View. with Sally A. in South Jersey. It's um, so good to be here. So I, I, what I wanted to say this morning is um, what a great opportunity we've had this morning to take a look at all the steps right in a row. Um, and here, of course, Larry pointed out that um, here we see um, step, I fully acquainted him with my problems, so he's giving it away, step five, and my deficiencies, so he's humbly giving it away. We made a list of people, step eight. Uh, I had, and we should be doing step eight while we're doing step four and five. I had hurt or toward whom I felt resentment. I expressed my entire willingness to approach them, so there's your step nine. Never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all matters, such matters, to the utmost of my ability. So we see in this paragraph, as Larry pointed out that we've got steps four through nine here 
Um, what I wanted to hone in on is my schoolmate visited me, those words. And the reason is because Bill has been in the hospital. Bill walked to the hospital, staggered to the hospital, got to the door, and probably with a bottle in his hand, knowing that this is the end. I'm done. I'm going to be done with alcohol once and for all because now he's got all the pieces of the puzzle. He understands from Dr. Silkworth, because he's been in the hospital two times already, what the allergy of his body is. So he understands the physical completely, and he knows that something's wrong with his brain. But here comes his friend, Ebby, and he's got the missing piece of the puzzle. He's got the Oxford group, and he's got the power that it's going to take to stay stopped. Bill understands that. Thank God Bill understands that. So he brings himself to the hospital. And it's a beautiful thing that we see here in these three paragraphs. We see step one. We see step one in the second paragraph where it says, I admitted. That's step one. I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing, that without him I was lost. There's our step one. Then step two, I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing, became willing, came to believe. He was willing to trust that something outside of himself was going to do this for him. And he goes on to have my newfound friend take them away, root and branch. I have not had a drink since. So we see very clearly he's, he's bringing us to this point of now re-enters my friend, my friend, my schoolmate, visited me. So you see that he had to do this part by himself to some extent. His friend steps away and leaves Bill to put the substance down. Nobody can do this for you. You have to have a level of willingness, a level of desperateness, desperate enough that you're going to put the substance down because you cannot move into that next paragraph, the one that we're in now, steps four through nine. You cannot experience the treatment, because this is the medical, this is the chemotherapy for the mental aspect of our disease. We cannot have the chemotherapy until we first, in many, many cases in cancer, this is the truth. They have to have the resection. They have to remove the lung or, the, or whatever that, that cancerous part is. And in our case, we have to put the allergy of our body, whatever that, that food substance is, whatever is creating the effect, has to be put down first. And that's what we see here, beautifully illustrated in three quick paragraphs, that he sought treatment, that he put down his substance, and he's showing us the word admitted is right there, became willing, and then moving into steps four through nine. And it's important to understand, you cannot jump. You cannot do four and five. You cannot do four and five, binge your brains out, and think you can keep going. You cannot. If you're binging your brains out, you already did four and five, you must relook at that. You clearly have not had that experience of step one of admitting powerlessness and putting the food down. Thanks for letting me share with that iPad. Thank you, Sally A. And that wraps Linda the first R. hour of Hi, Linda. We're at the end of our time. No problem. We're oh, at sorry. the end of our time today, though. Stick around. We have another hour. And thank you to everyone who shared today. Please join us, as I was mentioning, for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing here today. And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Martha G. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. This is Martha C., um, the still recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. 
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.